Welcome everybody. Great to have you in church today as we continue our series in the book of Jonah, uh, Beyond Survival. Have you ever felt like you were uh, taking on a little water? Have you uh, ever felt like you were barely surviving? Have you ever felt like you're just trying to keep your head above water? I think we all have. And uh, it's amazing to take a look at the book of Jonah and just see how relevant it is to our life. We've been looking at the nine waves of life, and today we're going to look at wave number eight, desperation. And uh, we've, we've looked at these in kind of two different categories. The first one is really defining really the, the waves of life that we need to get right. We need to dream God's dream. Uh, God has a dream that he wants us to dream. He wants us to make God-honoring decisions as we walk out that dream. He wants us as we dream that dream and make those decisions to move in a God-honoring direction, ending up at a God-pleasing destination, fulfilling God's destiny for our life. But there are going to be waves that pound against us to try to uh, erode uh, the dream and destroy good decisions and wipe us out and moving in the right direction. And some of those things are things like doubt and discouragement. And today we're going to look at desperation. Uh, I've walked through with you as a church family the book of Jonah verse by verse, almost word by word. Right now this uh, particular time, we're kind of going up to about 30,000 foot level and looking down and looking at the major themes that you really see played out throughout the entire Bible. And today I want us to talk about how do we overcome desperation and right above that wave that pounds against us. Jonah is at his very best in chapter 2. I- I've been hard on Jonah. How many know I've been hard on Jonah? Look at your neighbor and say, he's been really hard on Jonah. But I've also said there's a little bit of Jonah in every single one of us, right? Now look at your neighbor and say, see, I told you, you're a little bit like Jonah too. But Jonah is at his very, very best in chapter 2. He really is. In chapter 2, we find him at the bottom of the sea, in the bottom, the belly of a big fish. And it's there in that desperation we see the real Jonah coming out. You look at chapter 1 of Jonah, and and you see that uh, in, in chapter 1, Jonah is all about uh, disobedience, running from God. In chapter 3, Jonah is all about being a reluctant prophet and going to Nineveh. In chapter 4, Jonah is really, really discouraged. But in chapter 2, in chapter 2, we see that Jonah is really at his very best self. You see on the screen here this statement, desperation reveals who we are. It clarifies what we value. It illuminates what we truly believe about God and ourselves. Let me say that again. Desperation, times of great difficulty and great pain, reveal who we really are. It clarifies what we value. It illuminates what we truly believe about God and about ourselves. So my question to you today is very simple. When you get swallowed by a whale this week, you didn't know that was coming, did you? When you get swallowed by a whale this week, when you go through your times of desperation, what is that going to reveal about you? Who are you really? Who are you deep down in your core? What do you believe about God? And what do you believe about yourself You see, we need to decide and develop who we are and what we believe when times are good so that when times are not so good, it naturally flows out of us. It naturally flows out of us. 
when the waves and winds blow hard against you, what are your anchor points that hold you strong? What are your absolutes? When adversity pounds, what does it reveal about your love and devotion to Christ? James Clear has written a book that's very, very famous now called Atomic Habits. And in there he says, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. For him, daily habits and systems build you into the person you are, for good or for bad. I was thinking about that. I was writing this sermon, and I thought to myself, I've got kind of my own application on this. You do not rise to who you hope to be in times of crisis. You fall to who you already are. So we need to develop who we want to be in Christ when times are good, so that when times aren't so good, we know how to respond. So what do you think about God? And what do you think about yourself? The great theologian Joe Frazier, how many know smoking Joe Frazier, heavyweight champion of the world, said, and I love this quote, you can map out a fight plan or a life plan, but when the action starts, it may not go the way you planned, and you're down to your reflexes. That means your preparation. That's where your road work shows If you cheated on that in the dark of the morning, well, you're going to be found out now under the bright lights. What a great statement. And I think it's applicable to us spiritually. We do not determine who we really are in Christ uh, and, and refine ourselves during crisis times. We do that ongoing, day by day by day. It's when we are in those crisis times that it really reveals who we are. And I want us to take a look here today at five declarations that need to define us. These need to define who we are in the Lord. It needs to describe our faith. It needs to describe what we think about God. It needs to describe what we think about ourselves. And so I want us to walk through this in the time that we have and and take a look at these five faith declarations that jump off the pages of the book of Jonah, particularly in uh, chapter 2. Times of desperation require these faith declarations. These are not just mindless mantras. These are what we believe to our toes. Are you ready? Let's see how well we're doing at these. Number one, when distressed, pray. You say, Rob, that's so simple. Of course I'm going to pray. Well, hang in here with me for a moment. Let's dig into this just a little bit. I know that God always hears me, will help me, and cares for me. That's my faith declaration. When times are good and when times are bad, this is what I believe with all that is within me. I'm going to pray when times are good, and I'm going to certainly pray when times aren't so good. It's what I believe. It's who I am. It's what flows out of me. It's what's inside of me. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 2, it says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep within the realm of the dead, I called for help, and God, you listened to my cry. I don't know when the last time you were in the belly of a whale Maybe never, but maybe you felt distress like Jonah felt, and maybe that hasn't been that long ago. But to Jonah's credit, he did what we all hope to do when we find ourselves in difficult, difficult circumstances. He cried out to the one he knew could help him. He cried out to God. In my distress, I'm at the bottom of the ocean in the belly of a big fish, 
God, I need help. And he cries out to the Lord. It says he prayed to the Lord. You say, well, of course he prayed to the Lord. Who's not going to pray to the Lord? But you can tell as we read through this chapter that his prayers came from a position of deep contrition and devotion. Let's talk about your prayer life for just a moment. Do you pray? When do you pray? How do you pray? How long do you pray? What days do you pray? If you don't pray, why don't you pray? Let's talk about prayer for just a moment. We don't just pray when we find ourselves in a whale of a problem. We don't just pray when things are difficult. We develop a pattern of prayer. We develop a rhythm of prayer. We develop a life of prayer. Prayer is vitally, vitally important to God and to us. We need to create a prayer pattern. When distressed, yes, but also when we're not distressed. All over the Bible, we see men and women of faith who practice prayer. One of my favorites is Nehemiah in chapter 1. He learns of his people, the Israelites, in Jerusalem. The walls are destroyed. They are sitting ducks for the enemy. Their entire pride has been devastated. Their confidence is destroyed. They are not protected at all. They are as vulnerable as can be. And what does Nehemiah do? When he heard these things, he sat down and wept. He was devastated. He was desperate. He wept. For some days he mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heavens. True spiritual grit is revealed in times of crisis. What is our default? What do we turn to? What have we practiced? What have we prepared for? Hopefully prayer is at the top of that list. I have talked about this over and over again, but more importantly, we see this mentioned over and over again in the Bible, a prayer pattern, a prayer plan. The acts acrostic, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I've prayed this as long as I can remember. I do it every morning, every night. It's not just a ritual, but it is a habit. It's something that helps guide my prayers. The last thing I do at night is prayer. The first thing I do in the morning is prayer. And there are prayers of adoration, worshiping God, adoring him for his wisdom, his might, his presence, confessing my sins and my need for God to move in my life, thanksgiving, offering prayers of gratitude. What a great prayer to pray this week. Anybody ever heard of thanksgiving? Um, Supplication, prayers of petition and intercession, coming to God with our needs. We're really good at that last one. Uh, God, I need this, I need that. It's an important prayer, but it's not the only prayer to pray. Throughout the Bible, the book of Nehemiah, the Lord's Prayer itself, and certainly here in Jonah, we see this kind of prayer. You know, it's prayer that helps us fulfill God's dreams for our life and fight out doubt and desperation and discouragement. It's prayer that helps us make wise decisions and move in a God-honoring direction, leading us to a God-pleasing destination, fulfilling God's destiny for our life. If I could bottle up dream, decision, direction, destination, destiny. If I could bottle that up and, and, and have all of us drink it, I would. If we could just get serious about living our lives in such a way that the most important thing in all the world is to stay on track with God's dream, God's decisions, God's direction, God's destination, and God's destiny. I would do that in a heartbeat. Right now, right now, I know of, of many 
in our church family by name specifically who feel like they are in a belly of a whale type of circumstances. Things are rough, things are hard. In marriage, in family, with finance, health-related concerns, job concerns, fear of the unknown. I mean, you can add to that list as easy as I can. Times are really, really tough. And my encouragement to each of you that might feel that way as well is grow in honoring God in your life. When distressed, pray. But not only when distressed, every day continue to seek him. I've read two books by an author by the name of Edith Egger. I talked about her first book in a series I did last fall on regret. But I just finished her book here a few weeks ago called The Gift. This is the woman who, as a teenage girl, was taken to Auschwitz. And the stories of her plight are unbelievable. You can imagine what they would be, whether you've read books like this or this book in particular or not. You can imagine just absolutely horrific. She has multiple life declarations. I wouldn't call them faith declarations exactly, but life declarations that not only helped her while at Auschwitz, but helped her in recovering from the post-traumatic stress and pain coming out of Auschwitz. You know, survivor's guilt and just the horrors of everything she experienced. Thinking of her parents who were uh, burnt uh, in the crematory and so forth. She said, the prison is in your mind. The key is in your pocket. That helped her as she walked through her story and her journey. It's not what happens to you that matters most, she said, but what you choose to do with it. A faith declaration for us must be, when distressed, pray. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God. That must be a constant constant declaration. The second one, look at verse 3, is when disobedient, repent. I must humble myself before the Lord, confess my wrongdoing, and plead for his mercy. Notice it says, you hurled me into the depths. I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. I've been hurled into the depths. Jonah understood that the sailors were agents, tools of God's judgment. He knew he was being disciplined for his disobedience. That wasn't, you know, difficult for him to understand. He understood that he had sinned. He had run from God. He understood that sins have consequences. We'd be wise to understand that as well. We can choose to sin, but we can't choose the consequences. Those automatically come with it. Sin has consequences. And we're all sinners. You cannot get through this life unscathed uh, without, without sinning. How many know what I'm talking about? We all fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. But the key is not everybody repents. Some people keep running. Jonah was running and running and running and running until he was thrown overboard. I mean, talk about a merciful plunge into the depths of the sea. It saved his life, literally. I know people who are running from God, have been running from God, are still running from God, and as far as they're concerned, they're always going to run from God. That is not wise. That's not going to end well. There's nothing smart about that at all. Sin has its consequences. Living a life of repentance and confession and humility is a crucial part of our worship. 
Everyday prayer, prayer of confession, Lord, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Search my heart, O God, and know my thoughts, I pray. Pray the Psalms, pray the prayers of David. God, see if there be any wicked way in me, and cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Be aware of your shortcomings. Be aware of sin. Be aware of disobedience. Be aware of where you're running from God. That is only wise. That is only good. Jonah finally recognizes the folly of his ways, and he knows that the same God who was about to forgive the Ninevites would also forgive him. So he cries out to God in repentance, and he asks God for mercy. And God sends the USS Big Whale ship to save him and transports him to Nineveh and vomits him on dry land. Isn't that gross? Amazing. But that's a salvation vessel. That's a mercy ship that God sent. In his grace, in his compassion, in his patience, God sent the big fish to rescue the disobedient prophet. It's an amazing story. Nehemiah was aware of the sins of the Israelites that resulted in Jerusalem being destroyed, the walls being destroyed. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. David recognized his sins with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Jesus said, always pray this prayer. It's a line in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Paul coined it so well, we quote it often, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When it comes to sin, don't conceal it, reveal it. Don't repress it, confess it. Get that toxicity out of your soul. Don't harbor sin, don't flirt with sin. Get rid of it. Lord, I repent. I confess my sins. They are always before me. Cleanse my heart, O oh God. Heal my heart. Forgive me. When disobedient, we need to repent. We need to have a hard attitude of repentance and confession. We have a choice. We can run or repent. We need to repent. A life declaration for Edie Ager when she was in Auschwitz and then the years, many years after that, were many. I mean, she had many, many life statements that helped get her through. They were something that was a part of her core. It was a, a default that she went to often. One of those was, you can't change the past, but you can change your future. Another one was, look forward, move forward. And one for us, people of faith, people who love Jesus Christ with our whole heart, is we need to have a faith statement that we go to often. I will humbly live my life before God with a heart of confession, a heart of humility, a heart of repentance. How dare I live my life arrogant before God as if I've never blown it or sinned. Who are we fooling? We come before God in humility, repentance and confession and say, God, forgive me. I don't deserve your grace or mercy, but I need it. Desperately. Desperately. When disobedient, I repent. Thirdly, when disoriented, I trust. You ever been disoriented, dizzy, kind of phased by what's going on in your life? 
You know, you ever felt like a deer in the headlights going, whoa, this is, this is tough. We all have, every single one of us. When disoriented, I will trust. I will do what I can. I'll do everything I can do. But the rest, I'm going to trust Jesus for the stuff that only he can do. And that is a faith declaration that we nurture and develop and grow and teach ourselves and remind ourselves on on a regular basis. We kind of live in a self-made culture where, you know, everybody kind of does their own thing. But life doesn't work that way. First of all, we need the Almighty in our life. We need His forgiveness. We need His salvation. We also need His help along the way. If we're going to build great marriages and great families and we're going to live godly lives and live our very best life, we need the Lord. Amen? We need the Lord on a regular, regular basis. I will do what I can do, but trust Jesus to do what only he can do. Look at verses 5 and 6. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank down. I was barred in forever, but God brought my life up. You ever said words like that? Probably not, but you probably felt words like that. Engulfing waters, threatened, surrounded, seaweed choking me out. I sank down, I was barred in forever. <laughs> Life can be tough. It can knock us off our feet. We're talking about waves. Perhaps you've walked along the beach and gotten a little too much into the surf when the waves were coming hard and boom, just knocked you, knocked you silly. That's happened to me many times. I was talking to a man here this week who said, yeah, I was out uh, swimming and the waves were so ferocious, I was sure I was going to drown. I mean, he was just out in the middle of it and, and, and couldn't break free. When disoriented, trust, trust. There are a lot of things that can bring disorientation to our life. You know, struggles in marriages and families. Uh, not sure what to do, you know, with our kids. You know, financial dead ends. Health, you know, just coming from the doctor and hearing about our bad health and some really serious concerns. Losing a job, facing bankruptcy. You know, we could go on and on. These are the kinds of things that can knock us off our feet, disorient us. And Jonah was there. He's in the belly of a whale, seaweed wrapped around his neck, getting choked out. But notice that last phrase. But you, God, brought me up from the pit. You brought me up from the pit. He kept trusting. He kept trusting. He's thrown into the sea. He keeps trusting. He's in the belly of a whale. He keeps trusting. To me, that's inspiring. To keep trusting when, when times are the darkest and the most difficult. Have you noticed something really strange about this book of Jonah? I mean, it's such a powerful story of, uh, of really life's journey. First of all, we learn a lot about man, and we learn a lot about God. Think about it for a moment. Man is fickle, he is inconsistent, often confused, easily disoriented. In four little chapters... We learn a lot about man. But we also learn a lot about God. God is patient and kind and compassionate and loving and trustworthy and faithful and present and powerful. And that, friends, is why we can always trust him. You say, life is going really great for me. Well, guess what? Next week hasn't come yet. And then there's next month and then there's next year. You say, Rob, that sounds fatalistic. No, no, that's just fact. Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. 
But take heart, I've overcome the world. Look to me, place your trust in me. Pray like Jonah, but God raised me up from the pit. At Jonah's very core, he had developed a hard attitude of contrition before the Lord that was hard to see in chapters 1 and 3 and 4. But you see it here in chapter 2 as he looks back on his experience and pens the words. How many know Jonah wasn't writing chapter 2 in the belly of a whale? How many understand how hard that would be? Uh, As he looks back, we see his story. Nehemiah was trying to rebuild a wall. There was rubble everywhere. It was just hard to maneuver. He's got, you know, a, a workforce to try to raise up. He's got the enemy breathing down his neck. He had a lot going against him. You talk about you know, desperation. That was him. But he called out to God. He trusted in God. The God of heaven will give us success. Over and over again, you hear those kinds of words. He trusted. He believed. Edie Yeager says, you don't have to remain a prisoner of your past. That was one of her life declarations to try to move her life forward. She said, freedom is a lifetime practice and requires hope. A pretty powerful statement for someone who was imprisoned in Auschwitz. Freedom is a lifetime practice and requires hope. What is your life declaration? What is your faith declaration? I pray that one of them will be this. Lord, when disoriented, I will trust. I will always trust in you. You are all-powerful. You are forever present. You will never leave me nor forsake me. I trust in you. I believe to my toes. I believe to the core of my being that you love me. You care for me. You have a plan for my life. You're not going to abandon me. And I trust in you when times are good and when times aren't so good. Number four, when depleted hope. When depleted hope, you ever felt like your personal battery's running a little bit low? Feel like you're kind of at the end of your rope? You feel like you're kind of at the edge of your strength? You're not quite sure how you're going to keep it up? Depleted. When depleted hope, I can rise above every adversity through Jesus Christ. I can rise above every adversity. That's our faith declaration. Read that off the screen with me. I can rise above every adversity because of Christ Jesus. Say it again. I can rise above every adversity because of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Is that a faith declaration you're cultivating and nurturing and developing in your life? I believe that I believe that I believe nothing is going to cause me not to believe that. My hope is is in the solid rock, Jesus Christ, and I will not be moved. Never. Not even kind of. Jonah said it this way, when my life was ebbing away, sounds a little bit depleted to me, when I was at the end of my rope, when I was on my last breath, when I was about ready to drink my last drink of seawater, when that seaweed was choking me so much I couldn't even breathe, I remembered you, Lord. Why? Because I nurtured and developed and cultivated a a spiritual life before I found myself at the bottom of the ocean in the middle of a fish. I lived a life of faith. I lived a, a, a pattern and a rhythm of faith development. I remembered you, Lord. You can't remember something that you've 
never had instilled. Defeated, depleted, life draining down to nothing, ebbing away. He's on his last leg. And he calls out to God. We must never, ever lose hope. I don't know, friends, what you're going through right now. I know there's so much I don't know, but there's some stories I do know about where people are in that circumstance right now. And to you and to those I don't know about who feel like you're in that same condition, don't lose hope in Christ. Hold on tight to Jesus. Hold on tight to Jesus. Hold on tight to Jesus. Paul said it this way, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jonah goes on to say, Don't cling to worthless idols. What are you holding on to that's not Jesus? That's not going to work. There's only one God. There's only one who can meet every single need we will ever have. There is only one creator. There's only one savior. There's only one Lord. Don't cling to anything else. You say, well, I'm holding on to my good looks. I hate to tell you, you don't look that great. (laughs) I'm holding on to my smarts. Nobody's that smart. I'm holding on to my talent, my abilities, my skills, my status, my prestige. That's not going to work. I hate to break it to you. There's only one sure Thing, person. And that's Jesus, amen? amen? He will never fail you. He will never let you down. He is never too busy for you or me. When depleted, keep hope alive. Marcus Aurelius said, Life is warfare and a journey far from home. It feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? Life feels like a battle, like a war. You're just way out there. You know, we hear stories of war and and, uh, I mean, it's just terrible and horrific in every way. And, and life may not be exactly that, but it, it feels like it sometimes. It's a battle. It's a challenge. It can deplete our energy. It can deplete our hope. We need to resolve. We need to be resolute and say, my faith is in Christ. Come what may. Come what may. The doubts, the discouragement, the desperation, come what may, it is not going to move me off dreaming God's dreams, making God-honoring decisions, moving in a God-pleasing direction toward a godly destination and fulfilling God's destiny for my life. Nehemiah understood it better than most. When, de- when depleted and kind of at the end of himself, he says, God, we are despised. Hear us. Hear us. And he faithfully kept moving forward, accomplishing God's plan. You know, we read some of the saddest stories that are happening around the world. Middle East, incredible stories in Asia. I mean, everywhere you look, it's just really heartbreaking news. We read about it every day if we take any time to read the news and hear stories of families and individuals whose lives have been totally turned upside down ransacked, destroyed. Sad, sad stories. Lost loved ones. How do you survive that? How do you overcome that, friends? You only hope to do that through Jesus Christ. That is the only way. He is our only hope. You know, Edie Ager tried to wrestle with overcoming Auschwitz while there and once out. 
She said, hope allows us to live in the present instead of the past. Never stop choosing love and hope. Those are powerful words, especially considering her circumstances. But you know, the Bible tells us very similar things. Hope always in Christ, regardless of how depleted you might be. I will hope in Christ regardless of what comes my way. And finally, I want to close on this one. On this Thanksgiving week, when devoted, when I am devoted, gratitude is going to be evidenced in my life. Think about that for a moment. If I am truly devoted to Jesus Christ, my heart and my mind and my spirit is just going to be full with gratitude and thanksgiving because I'm going to be mindful of the many blessings he's bestowed upon me. I'll be grateful because I know that the blessings of God always outweigh the problems of life. Anybody have a problem? Let me see your hand. Anybody ever had a problem? Go ahead and raise your hand with the rest of us. Jesus says, in this world you have trouble. James says, consider pure joy when you face trials of many kind because these trials are going to work to build perseverance. That perseverance will result in maturity and you'll become more like Christ. The character of Christ will be developed in your life. There's going to be problems. That's not fatalistic. That's just factual. Why not be prepared for what we know is obvious to come? But notice Jonah in the belly of a whale at the bottom of the ocean. It says, I shout with grateful praise. I sacrifice praise to you. What I vowed, I will make good. I say thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Salvation comes from the Lord. He has an attitude of gratitude for the salvation that comes from one, God, only God. What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for today? Think about something right now. You got it? What are you grateful for? On the count of three, I want you to say it out loud. You ready? One, two, three. I didn't hear one thing, but there was a lot right there. There was a lot. And friends, in no way do I mean to dismiss any of our problems, yours, mine, or anybody else's. They're huge. But there's something greater than our problems, and that is God. And his faithfulness has been proven over and over again. And you and I, you and I both, would do so much better if we spent more time thinking about the blessings of God than we do our problems. We would do better if we spent more time thinking about the greatness of our God than the greatness of our problems. Because every time we do that, our problems, our, pro our concerns, our issues will melt in comparison to the greatness of God. I will sacrifice to you in praise. This Thanksgiving week, I want to encourage you to mark out time to spend in gratitude and thanksgiving. Jonah recognized he had disobeyed, he had compromised God's dreams, decisions, running in the wrong direction, but he gets on track in chapter 2, and he offers gratitude, and as he does, it begins to bring him around full circle, and he's reminded of the goodness of God. He recommits, redevotes himself, and starts heading in a better direction. Gratitude lubricates the engine of faith. It greases the skids of prayer. Talking to God and daily thanking Him for His many blessings refocuses our heart, our minds, on the goodness of the Almighty. Nehemiah did this over and over again with all of his followers. 
Our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. Blessed be the name of our great and mighty God over and over again. Maybe you read the story that I read this past week about a 71-year-old gentleman that went out hiking in the woods and he'd been missing, missing for 10 weeks. Finally, a hunter came upon, sadly enough, his deceased body. The man was out there with his his friend, his dog. And when the hunter found the deceased man, he also found the dog by his side. Ten weeks later. You know, if you're a dog owner, if you have a, a dog who loves you more than life itself, you know, that touches your heart a little bit. And I'm not comparing this to dogs at all, but, but the question did come to my mind. How does my allegiance to my Lord and Savior compare to a story like that? And you know, if I'm honest, sometimes I say pretty good, and other times it needs to get a lot stronger. How about you today? Is your Lord, your Savior, your God the most important in your life? Is he the priority? Joshua prayed, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Nothing more important. Where is your allegiance today? If devoted, gratitude will flow out of your life. Our time is gone. I invite you to bow your heads with me. I want you to think about these five faith declarations we talked about here today. Which one of these is one that you want to take to the Lord in prayer and ask him to strengthen you in? When distressed, pray. When disobedient, repent. When disoriented, trust. When depleted, hope. And when devoted, gratitude. Today, within the sound of my voice, both online and here in this place, also in the chapel service, I know there are folks going through times of desperation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, everybody praying for a moment. If you say, Pastor Rob, I'm going through a really, really tough time. I feel pretty desperate about this, that, or another. Maybe it's not just you. It might be somebody else in your family or your circle of influence going through a real hard time, and you want to stand in for them here a little bit today. Would you just raise your hand and hold it high? I'm going through a time of desperation. Things are really, really rocky and stormy. I feel like the waves of life are pounding, pounding, pounding. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you in this closing prayer. How many are here when say, we've been walking through this message, Pastor Rob, I sense in my heart a need to recommit my life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've known him in the past or maybe you've not committed your life to the Lord. But today you want to make things right with God. You want to repent, confess, commit your life to the Lord and follow him the rest of your days. Again, with every head bowed and eye closed, how many just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Go ahead and do that today and hold it high. God bless you, friends. God bless you. No better decision we could make in our entire life. Lord, you see every hand raised here in this auditorium, everybody online, people in our tradition service. God, you see, you know every heart. And God, we come to you and we repent of our sin. We confess of our wrong ways. And we ask you to come into our life and cleanse us and forgive us. And we want to follow you, God, as our Lord and Savior from this time forward. 
God, we just re-pray that prayer along with those friends that have lifted their hand here today. We also pray, God, for those who are going through desperate times, desperate moments, desperate, difficult circumstances, whatever it might be, in their family, in their health, God, in their relationships, at their work, in their finances. God, I pray that you will just bring hope, hope, hope into their life here today. We need you. We trust in you. Help us, God, develop a rhythm of spirituality, a a pattern of faithfulness as we nurture a heart devoted to you, not just when times are good, but is revealed when times are the most challenging. And we pray these things in your precious name. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Our prayer team is going to come forward. We're going to sing a closing song. Our tradition service hosts will lead, as will our online campus service. And we want to just close in a time of uh, singing and worshiping the Lord. Would you just commit and recommit your life to the Lord here today? Make these faith declarations real to your own life. And if we can pray with you or maybe like to step in for someone you know going through a real challenging time, I invite you to do that as we sing. Let's sing as we close.